Get ready to rock radio. And we're saying hello, a very warm welcome, not only to Get Ready to Rock, but also to the UK. Larkin Poe, Rebecca and Megan. And that's Rebecca and Megan Lovell, isn't it? That's uh, right. Yeah. So how is it? How was it for you? Because we're, we're actually talking now after the gig, and this was your first gig of the tour in uh, Oswestry, and um, it went down really well, didn't it? We had a blast. It was a great starting night. Um, we had an excellent time, and I think the audience maybe enjoyed themselves too. So I, mean, I, I think that we had a, a great night. The more intimate concerts are also very fun. Yes. And we're also getting to play a festival this tour, so that's going to be really fun. So we'll get to have a good spattering. And that's really a lot of your background in the States. You've done a lot of festival work, haven't you, really? Can you give us a little bit of a background about... The, the last say five years because you were singing with your is it your elder sister yes. is it Jessica yes yeah the Lovell sisters you made a couple of albums I think did you we did as that band so what happened there what was the story you broke away as Larkin Poe well back in December of 2009 we'd been touring as the Lovell sisters for about six years is that right about six years and so it was you know she we'd all spent our teenage and early adult lives playing music and so I think she'd reached a point where she said you know what from the get-go we all said that we were gonna do it only if we were 100% passionate and completely invested in doing it I think she reached a point where she just wanted to try something else so after she you know said that she wanted to move on then like within a month she was married and and doing all kinds of crazy stuff with her life and so now she and her husband are living in BC Canada of all places and they're doing fantastic so um, yeah we toured us about six years with the Level Sisters um, and we had our first start in 2005 uh, playing a radio station called A Prairie Home Companion. And so that was really our first gig, and that's kind of what jump-started us into playing music, I think, in it's general. It's on NPR, and it has like 5 million listeners. And so we, we got a lot of offers to play all these prestigious places, festivals, and... and uh, <laughs> With zero touring <laughs> experience, like just out of nowhere. And we, so just, we had done it as a, just a hobby before then and suddenly we realized we were spending most of our time doing this and that we were actually musicians. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you must have got a lot of experience playing with your sister as the Lovell sisters. Yes. Yeah. So that was good, wasn't it? You gained in confidence. Oh, yes. Especially with her being the eldest sister. Um, at least she you know, definitely would take care of us and she would do so much work. And I think when she left the band, it really opened our eyes as to how much there really is involved in being a touring act and you know to make it work and to make it be successful and so I think after after she left we've definitely learned and grown a lot you know not only as musicians out of necessity but also just in general as entertainers and performers because I should tell listeners really it's amazing you're only very young aren't you and uh, I mean we'll come on to the sort of the songwriting side of yeah. things but there's tremendous maturity in this music other people will have commented on that and you're only, is it 19 and 20? Actually, just I just turned 20, and oh. Megan's 21, so oh, we're old. So, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're old. <laughs> <laughs> but when you were with the Lovell sisters, it gave you more confidence, but how did you find the dynamic changing when you became Larkin Poe, the two of you? Because, um, am I right in saying your elder sister, did she have more of a front person yes. role? Yeah. So you were obviously learning from her, like the stagecraft mm -hmm. side of things, because I noticed this evening at the gig, I mean, there is a dynamic going on. I mean, it's the same with any band. Um, how did you adapt to that? Because it's quite an undertaking, isn't it, really? It to is. come out almost from your sister's shadow, perhaps. Yes, very and much so. the sort of front person, you know, both of you, really. 
I, I think towards the end of um, the Level Sisters, Rebecca was singing about half the material, um, the lead vocals, and Jessica was singing the other half. And so I think it was kind of a natural transition for Rebecca to kind of move into that, that lead singer role. Um, but I'll be honest, there is a lot to learn. I mean, on stage, like when you're having to check the set list and make sure that you're singing the right songs, and I mean, just kind of general purpose I, that I never would have really anticipated. Just going and watching people perform live, it seems, and when you have a really good front person, it's just effortless, and they're on stage, and they are able to speak eloquently and sing in tune, and it takes so much thought. It really does, mm. and I think it's taken a lot of time for me to learn, and I'm still definitely learning. Just mm. concentration, to be able to concentrate. Because <laughs> that's the, the fright not frightening, but it's quite awesome that the thought that you will only get better actually now, won't you? You'll mature as performers. You know, yes, that is so exciting. It, it is exciting, isn't it? That's the word, really. It's uh, you know, it gives you a buzz, and you must think from a songwriting point of view as well. You know, how much better does this get, or can it get? Oh yeah, mm -hmm. you you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. I think that is that is the biggest attraction, probably, about being a tour musician. I mean, not only do you get to travel and you know meet all kind of random, crazy, unique people and see really random, crazy, unique sides of cities. But it's that excitement, it's that knowing that you, you're, like, you are in charge of what is happening with, with, with how well or how not well you are mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. So it really, it, you're very culpable. It's not like you have anyone to curtail to or kowtow. It's like you are very much your boss and it is exciting. It's really, really fun. Let's play a track now. This is uh, one of the exclusive tracks you've provided for us, which is we're really uh, grateful for. Recorded at live at Eddie's Attic of all places. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about the venue? Uh, is there anything like tonight, for instance? Uh, yes, mm. actually, a little bit like mm. tonight. Eddie's Attic <laughs> is fantastic. It's a, a listening room in um, Decatur, Georgia. Uh, so it's right downtown, very, very near to the downtown Atlanta. Um, and Eddie. Eddie is actually the guy who, who put Eddie this place Owen. together and he's a, a character and he's just created a really great um, place where people come to listen to music. It's not like a bar with you know, bands that happen to be playing, it's people come for the music and the music is quality. So in night. that way it is very similar to tonight's venue here at the Ironworks. Mm. I mean they obviously have made music a precedence upstairs and that is that is really nice as a performer. It's a nice room, isn't it? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the song then, just in case. Just in case. I love this song. This is one of Megan's songs. Um, I guess it's written kind of from the point of view of a person entering a very new relationship and and really wanting to keep it special and feeling very in love with the person even though it's new. And that's that's kind of what it's about. <laughs> Before 
Now you've released a series of EPs um, with a seasonal flavour, they reflect the seasons, although actually I don't think that's reflected in the lyrics. Um, what was the concept behind the, the EPs that you've released over the past year or so? Well initially, in January of, was it 2010, we had this idea. We wanted to, I think the biggest motivation was that we wanted to find a way in which we could bring, you know, our friends and our fans kind of along with us in the journey because we knew that we were a very new band and we had to keep people's attention because we transitioned from the level sisters and then changed the name and changed the lineup and so we wanted to give people a taste of you know what the new band was going to be like very very quickly and so we had to create a lot of material and have a backlog you know in a very short amount of time and, and so the idea to do four EPs like try to release as much music as we could every few months to kind of keep people up to date um, it was just it kind of was serendipitous I think that's how a lot of things happen in our band it's like things just happen organically and they kind of mutate and grow as as it comes along and so we released the first EP and we're like oh well we should definitely have matching artwork for all of them and so we were trying to think of you know some concepts for matching artwork and so the the, the seasons idea came about and so from there we just went nuts and then I mean it's like once you start thinking of spring summer fall and winter I mean you have the the changing of the seasons and the kind of transitional spring and fall seasons and the optimistic summer and the kind of introspective winter I mean it was it was really really a lot of yeah, fun it's to caught your imagination this oh yes really. was there ever an idea to do a single album at all did you ever think of that at the outset that you could just you know, yes. come out with one album, right? Yes, but I think as a, as a new band, you um, you change very rapidly, and mm. sometimes what you are at the beginning of the year may not be what you are at the end of the year. In practice, probably is quite different, and so we wanted a way to keep it fresh. And and instead of working on solidly on an album for several months and then waiting a year to put it out, the EPs were a quicker way to keep the music fresh. But we are definitely considering for summer of 11 we're going to be releasing a single project and so we're very excited about that. We've been writing stuff and getting all geared up for, for getting a new one released this year. And how did the songwriting for these EPs come about? Did you have all the songs at the start or did they, did they develop organically as well really? Because I suppose that gave you an incentive didn't it to write oh, and, yes. and keep we writing. Were, we, were, we were writing right <laughs> up to the time when we were going and recording it kept us very busy. It was, I mean, it was a really big motivation, like you're saying, an incentive to get a bunch of songs written that I think otherwise we might not have written if we hadn't had those deadlines coming up. It's like, you can't mess around. You either have the songs or you don't, and you really want to have the songs because you're recording the project, so. And especially because we wanted everything to be all original. So that was, mm. I mean, it was really, really good for us, I think, as songwriters, and continues to be. The mini-albums, they embrace a whole range of styles. But who would you say are your greatest influences? Can I ask you, perhaps, Rebecca, Ooh. to say, what music have you grown up with? Oh my gosh, do I have to say one person? Mm, you probably have got a hero. Most people have got I musical do. heroes, haven't they? They do change. And you may surprise me, because it's probably somebody I've, I would never have thought about. I think right now my hero definitely would be Susan Tedeschi. Have you heard of her? Yes. Yeah. Derek Trucks' wife. And Derek Trucks also, P.S., is one of my heroes as well. Yeah. She's amazing. I mean, to have... There are not many female vocalists that you can listen to, besides, like, Ella Fitzgerald or, you know, these power vocalists that are just singing like guys. Like, they're up there just ripping it. And I think that Susan does a fantastic job, and she's so inspirational to me. Mm. And Megan, what about you? Is there any one person... It, it's odd, because I would say Derek Trucks, because I've been picking up lap steel. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the, the new instrument 
that I started playing with Larkin Poe, and so I was I was searching for you know inspiration and people I wanted to play like, and Derek Truck was a person who I wanted to play like. So I think that I, I wrote a lot of the licks kind of around imagining what he might do. <laughs> oh, that's, that's interesting. And what about both of you? Have you? You must have been listening to all sorts of things growing up. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, you've you've been learning music. Presumably, you, you picked up the violin. I think at a very yeah. early age, didn't you? We Was were babies. The same with you, Magnus. Yes, yeah. yes. We both started playing classical violin and when piano we were, and we piano were. when we were probably five. Just our parents put us in lessons, and it stuck. For whatever reason, all three of us. Just a lot of people ask if our parents are musical, and they are not, actually. They are both in the medical field. Um, but we were lucky because they had great taste in music. Um, they, we grew up listening to the Eagles and um, Fleetwood Mac. Almond Brothers. Almond Brothers, yeah. Um, Every, anyone Floyd, and everybody. Yeah. A lot of great, great artists. Sort of classic stuff, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. Let's play another track. This is from the Summer EP, it's the mm -hmm. live track again, recorded at Eddie's Attic. Uh, this is uh, Praying for the Bell. Yeah, you this is actually, is it the only song that we co-wrote on all the EPs? No, Desert Dream as well. Ah, this is one of two songs that we co-wrote of all four EPs. The rest of them we both wrote singly, but this is one, I really like how it turned out. I think the lyrics, it's a very odd twist on, on I think, a breakup song. It's a very odd twist, so it's called Praying for the Bell. Just how long will you pretend? Now there's nothing left but to buy the end. Free me now on your own time, lover. Go play hero to another. Pain stood up, shovel came down. He dug my heart a grave in the ground. With my hair tugging on his sleeve, said, I think it's right for you to leave. No, this ain't the way it's gotta be.
Now, do you ever confuse your listeners by embracing such a wide range of styles? Mm. Um, it seems to me that you could quite confidently go in any different direction, really, musically. Um, it seems that maybe there's a new Fleetwood Mac waiting to break <laughs> out. But I can hear all these influences, and you've confirmed that a little bit by saying that you grew up on the classic rock sound. I guess maybe that's the problem, is we like playing so many different So tempting. We can't, <laughs> we can't decide on one. <laughs> I mean, from bluegrass to kind of smooth jazz to some, you know, classic rocky stuff. I mean, it's just, it's so much fun to kind of keep people guessing. But I think you have to be careful, you're exactly right, not to alienate or, you know, shock anybody too much. And I think that it definitely is walking a fine line to kind of keep that surprise factor, that shock factor, but also keep a thread. And I think that's... That's where having a really distinct songwriting voice comes into play. I think that's both what we're working very hard to cultivate when you write a song and it's like has that stamp on it. And that's, I think, one of the hardest parts of being a band is finding what works for you and then being able to, you know, reinvent that every song that you write, but yet it still have that kind of watermark sound. It's, I mean, it's a, it's very interesting. It's, that's also one of the fun parts, I think, is that experimentation that, it's, it's just, it's fascinating. Would I be right in saying then that it's, it's unlikely that we'll see Larkin Poe playing electric guitars on stage in the near future? Yes, <laughs> yes, very much yeah. so. Megan's taking electric guitar lessons, as am oh. I, actually. Oh, right. So, and, and I want to pick up more fiddle. I, let, tonight I played fiddle. So you're fiddle. quite, basically, you're very open to... Oh, yes. Yeah. And if there we could... There are so many instruments I'd oh, like to take if up. If we had space in our minivan, we would be bringing pianos and keyboards <laughs> and everything I mean that's we're jack of all trades like we like to mess around everything so and who is is there any mastermind here you mentioned your parents who haven't got the musical background yeah people wonder where are you getting advice and you know is anybody like mentoring <laughs> or career advice I suppose isn't it? not it's really not it's kind of we flung our ourselves at it and <laughs> it's I mean it is it is our life it is our lives it's what we do we spend every waking minute I mean, I can legitimately say that every waking minute of my life is spent playing music, thinking about music, listening to music, updating our Facebook page, thinking about, I mean, any number of things, but they all kind of revolve around, around us playing music. And, you know, I think that we definitely could benefit from having some advice. I mean, someone who knows the tricks of the trades, but as of yet, we just haven't found anybody who we really connected with. And we're both very headstrong. <laughs> and our parents have taught us to be big do-it-yourselfers like if you want the brass ring then you go for it and so that's what we've been trying to do and um, it, it can be interesting at times I think it's, it can be a very hard path to take sometimes to really be like super fiercely independent but at the same time I think it's worked out well for us so far I think it's made us grow up I think a lot faster than we would have otherwise are you good musically together in the sense that I know you you share songwriting and you also writing you know individually we are of, definitely of like mind and um, I think we work together musically very well um, we've said that we are kind of soul extensions of each other and, and there's there's nobody's opinion that I trust more than Megan's and so I think that's really that is a big step up like when I can legitimately say that if she if she critiques my song then I will I will without question try to change it to where she doesn't have any questions about it and I think the same goes for Megan too I, I think it is vulnerable when you, you know, bring your own songs and you play it for a group. And especially for someone whose opinion I do respect and I want to impress her because she's my older sister. And, 
Like it, it is hard sometimes, but I think overall we have a very good dynamic when we're, we're able to work together very well because we both know that we love each other very much and are each other's biggest fans as well as mm. biggest that will yeah. only get better, won't it? That process really of uh, collaborating. I think it of will. Of course, of course, we are sisters, and we we know how to push each other's buttons. And we do have. But spats. we try. We try not to. Yeah, and I think th the biggest thing as well is that we are very much on the same page. Like we obviously have the same goals. Like we both want to be successful and and always be playing music. And so sometimes when it might be tempting to kind of I don't know be petty about things or make it harder to work with each other, it's like you have to kind of. All right. Well, what is the goal here? The goal is that we be successful and are able to get along. And so, as tricky as it can be to keep that in mind, sometimes it's. And what about the rejection rate for songs? Do you have? Uh, a, do you pretty much adopt everything that you work on, or are, you, are you very you know self-critical about what gets out? Oh, there, very. Really? Mm. When when we're songwriting, when we're in the songwriting stage, we put out a lot of songs, um, and probably most of them go in the trash. For me, and I good. only bring like four or five of the, you know, two dozen songs I've written. Same goes for me. Mm. Though, yeah, yeah, <laughs> same goes for me. You have to, you have to write so many songs to get one that you feel strongly about, or that we both like. Like, cause I mean, we had a song that I'm like, oh, I love this song, it's the best song ever, and then it's like, <laughs> and then it's like, all right, in the trash it goes. So it's, you know, yeah. it's a work in progress. Get ready to rock radio, music you want to hear. Are you finding that the, the social media side of things and the website does work for you? It's crucial. Mm. I think I have underestimated in the past the importance of having a really strong and well-maintained web presence. I mean, it's because it's not just about the music anymore. I think in today's market, it's you have to not only generate music that people enjoy and want to listen to, but you also have to be able to create relationships with your fans, which to me is the beautiful part of being independent. You're not just some big like mask behind a mirror. It's you are you are a real person and you post videos from backstage on your Facebook page and you're constantly taking photos and updating your status and, you know, getting in touch with people. And so while that is a whole nother slew of like it's 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 it, it can be hard to you know to be disciplined and keep it updated, but I think it's really rewarding when you when you are disciplined and you do get on and you check and you keep up to date with people, and how much more inspired you are when you know that there are people out there who are playing your songs around the dinner table for their kids every night and. And the kids know the words of their songs, and they're in the cars singing your songs, and they know all your words. It's like, and, and if you are on your website and reading those comments, then you know that. And it's, it's immediate. Yeah, it? I think the internet is a is a new form of communication. That I mean, amazing tool, an amazing tool for for artists because there's the you can directly connect with your fans. Not only that, but um, the word of mouth that can spread through the internet is a, is amazing. You know, yeah. we see the. Um, reviews on people's blogs and people posting on their Facebooks and that sort of thing and that's in, in incredibly effective. Because mm. you're very much part of that generation aren't you who are we embracing are. Um, working the system really yeah. you know? and uh, you know older artists have had to adapt to that really haven't right. they? It's a bit like digital recording isn't it? It's True. So it's very it's interesting in that respect that you're, it's a whole you're pioneers in, in a small way aren't you really? Yeah. When you picture. put it that way I feel yeah. really epic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you're at the start of your UK tour, and it's been great talking to you. We're going to finish off with the track uh, Principle of Silver Lining, which really went down well tonight. Ah. I won't ask you about this because you announced it on the, the actual track, so okay. we'll, we'll play that mm -hmm. in. 
But uh, you mentioned also tonight that you're going to Norway after We UK. are. So have you got a following in Norway? We have a great following mm. in Norway. We've actually toured, what is it, five this or six times? This will be our time? seventh time. Go yeah, on. to Norway. We have a fantastic Norwegian contact. His name is Johan Moen. And he's just a huge fan of our music and he heard about us on MySpace, oddly enough. And, and wanted to bring us over for a show and so like, Five years ago or so, we were in Ireland playing at a festival as the Level Sisters. And so he said, oh, well, while you're in this part of the world, I would like for you to come to Oslo and I'd book you for a gig. And the turnout was unbelievable and the response was just overwhelming. And so he had us back for tour after tour after tour. And so now when we go, it's like, it's like our big cities are our hometown in Oslo, Norway. It's wonderful. And so, you, are you spending a week or two weeks over in Norway? We actually are not. We're only going to be there for a couple days, but we are planning to go back. We're going to... It's so exciting, actually. We, um... I probably... And this probably might not should be posted, but we just confirmed opening for Elvis Costello for, ah. like, a bunch of gigs in the Netherlands and Norway. And so that's... We're going to be going back for a couple months in the fall to Norway. And so oh, we're so great. excited about Because you, you've got some connection with him. I mean, has he been to yeah. one of your gigs or... He's said, uh, we, he said some nice things about you. Basically. Yes. Yeah, we've, played, we've actually collaborated with him. He's had us up to play in his band um, three or four times. He's amazing. He's such a cool guy. He I mean, one of the most classy performers you could ever imagine. Like, he does everything right. Mm. He really does. Oh, that's really well. I hope you have a great tour. I mean, it's great now because you jet lagged and you, you you've taken the trouble to talk to us. So we are grateful for that. You'll get a good night's sleep. You'll be fresh for your next gig, which is down on the south coast, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's so nice. nice to speak with you. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you. So we'll do that one more song for you now. This is one that I wrote. And I can say this because my parents are sitting right here, front and center. Mom and Dad, give us a wave, please. Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad have done a fantastic job of, of keeping stuff around the house for us to read. And uh, this certain thing that I read quite obsessively was National Geographic. So, we, we had this magazine, and in this magazine there was this article about an Aztec tribe and their religious beliefs. And, and I guess this tribe, this religious belief, kind of found, is founded upon the old adage, you know, to look for the silver lining in life. And, and I know it sounds really trite, but when I read the article, I was really touched by that, like looking for the silver lining and always trying to be positive. And so, um, so I wrote a song about, uh, about the article, completely ripped it off as a song called The Principle of Silver Lining.
And we hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. Our thanks to Larkin Poe. And do check out our gig review in the gig review section at getreadytorock.com where you'll find links to a video edit of this interview and also a photo gallery. You can find out more about the band at their website, larkinpoe.com. And do check out our podcast section at GetReadyToRockRadio.com where you'll get access to edited interviews from some of our main features over the past couple of years. Get Ready To Rock 